This is the Daily Coaching Podcast, bringing you thoughts, discussions and expert insight into all things football and coaching. Thirteen or fourteen, that was the first contact I made with female footballers to become a professional league. Where it is now, obviously it's a huge step. In today's episode, I get to know professional women's footballer from Milan, Julia Simic. Now, Julia has had a fantastic career to date, playing for clubs such as Bayern Munich, Wolfsburg, Freiburg, West Ham, and has represented Germany from under-15s through to the women's senior team on a number of occasions. We talk on the barriers and challenges faced along the journey, adapting to different environments, the impact of the WSL, balancing playing, studying and coaching and the legacy Julia is trying to leave on the game for the next generation of girls and boys. This episode is insightful, inspirational and motivational. So therefore, let's get straight into it. If you can, I always like to start off with all the way back before football even came a thing. How did you kind of fall in love with the game of football and how did it sort of that journey begin for yourself? I think like when you when you're so young, basically five, six years old, you don't really think about what you're doing there. You know, you just go with your feeling and you just if you see a ball and everyone is throwing a ball, you might just jump in and throw it as well. If everyone kicks a ball, like it was in my case, I was just jumping in and kick the ball as well. And I think at one point, obviously, you realize the ball is a bit your friend and also on the feet. So this is when I became really passionate about because I felt like this is this is for me and, and I really enjoyed playing football. I have an older brother. My dad is really excited about football. So it's also a bit the environment, environment but at the end, I think it just comes down to your passion or even not like, and I felt really passionate from the beginning. Yeah, no, 100%. It's interesting because it's true. Environment is such a big thing. Like, you know, parents always try and get their children to get involved in the game of football, which is obviously good because it exposes us to it. Um, but I agree with you. I think that you're, you have to have a passion for it. Like I've seen so many children who get thrown into football, don't particularly like it, which makes it so hard for coaches, by the way. But, you know, like I said, you've got to have a bit of passion. And, and it's crazy because when I think back to like school times, there'd be situations where there's like 30 or 40 of us. None of us are obviously wearing bibs. We're all just wearing a school uniform and we're all chasing after one ball. But somehow we all know who's on each other's teams. We, we don't really care, even though we know that really and truthfully, there's 29 others who will probably get a touch on the ball other than yourself. But you almost just want to go for it yourself. And it's like you said, it's that, that possession thing of you want the ball at your feet. Yeah, definitely. I, I once read a study or something about how many minutes you actually touch a ball during a game and it's 90 minutes and you maybe touch it up to two minutes, like where you really have the ball on your feet and that's maximum. So just think of 88 minutes, you're just running without a ball and you're just doing tactical stuff and you try to help and to communicate, but you don't really touch the ball. And during the week, you, over and over, you, you practice certain drills and you practice your touch and your passes and your shooting. And it basically just comes down to really less actions in the game or little actions in the game and I think that's so exciting because you just have to work in these moments as well you know even and appreciate to finally touch a ball also depending on the position obviously but yeah I agree with you it's like either you have this passion in you and you want to do this because no one can 
externally motivate you. You have to do it. It has to come from, from inside. Yeah, 100%. And I often talk about three things. And listen, there is obviously no magic recipe for becoming a pro or becoming a footballer, but I always talk about talent, motivation and opportunity. So like opportunity, you know, depending on where you're brought up and the um, opportunity to actually get into a team and then progress um, or even travel. Travel is a big thing, especially over in England and London specifically. You know, people having to travel by public transport rather than getting driven there. So that's a big thing. But the motivation you have to have that internal motivation to actually, number one, want to just turn up and play. Um, and some people go for so social reasons, and that's that's fine. But, yeah, you've got to have some sort of internal motivation to actually put in the effort and time. And like I said, even understand, actually, do you know what? For 88 minutes, you're not going to touch the ball. So you have to have some sort of connection with the game to want to still be in those environments and those situations. Definitely. And what you say, like you have to sacrifice things, right? There might be days that you don't enjoy football so much because whether it's raining or you have a long journey to training or you had a long day already in school and everything around sometimes not easy and you still have to put in these, this effort basically. And that at the end of the day, that counts, you know, that makes you maybe becoming the best player you can possibly be and make it professional or maybe not because... On the way up, I think you see a lot of really talented players, female or male, doesn't matter, which are dropping out at one point because they, they might not have that focus. And for me, also, it always obviously like was not always just sunshine and nice days and nice pitches. But I think always had this drive to and the ambition as well to sacrifice things for football, you know, and be dedicated to this and Football always more than going to a birthday or to a wedding or having a party or something like this. So I think you have to have that in you. Otherwise, it's, it's a long, long journey. Yeah, 100%. And it's true because, you know, people can pick you up along the way. But as soon as like, for, for me as a coach, when it comes to on a match day, I'm so quiet because I'm like, well, do you know what? I always compare football to school and I'm like, well, the match is the test. So, you know, you go through training and training is a curriculum and, you know, they're the things that you will learn. But actually on a match stage, you know what? Let the players go and do what they're doing. Let them go and decide how they're going to, well, obviously not how they're going to play, but, you know, the decisions they're going to make, the, the problems they're going to solve. And like you said, I think that only is going to become from within almost. When, when did you kind of like find that for yourself? What kind of age would you say you was? When I fell in love with coaching. Uh, or in terms of this sort of like, you know, really wanting to, like I said, be motivated to become become a professional and become a, a, a player. Really early on, really, really early on. I would say like the thing back then for a young girl would be how does professional football looks like for us? Because I was watching the Bundesliga in Germany, obviously, and just so men's game all the time went to stadiums, saw men playing, saw the crowds and felt like, oh, I want to do this as well even if I had no idea if this is possible. So until I was 12 or something, I wanted to play in the men's Bundesliga until I realized that's not going to happen. It doesn't matter how talented I am. Um, but basically, I, I knew like the, the thing I love the most is football. And it would be a huge privilege if I can one day call it my job, whatever that means, right? And at the beginning, um, it, it, it took a while until I got in touch basically with like professional female footballers and saw a women's game maybe in the TV as well. Back then there was not a lot of social media as well. So it was hard to actually know what you're aiming for. But then 
I think as soon as you made the first caps for the youth teams and the national team and you know a bit the level you're playing at and you maybe you can do it and you're able to to make it to the next level that obviously got me through and motivated me and yeah I just wanted to to play on a professional level as as soon as possible. Yeah, no, that's quality. Because again, as you mentioned, and I always talk about it to a lot of coaches, especially um, women coaches who are now coaching young girls, and I say, you know, you're their idol. You know, like you said beforehand, there may not have been as many women in the game, which, you know, young girls are able to look up to and think, you know what, I can actually get to the level of where you're going to. And like you said, I mean, I saw a picture on your Instagram the other day where it was you and then the rest of the team of boys. And, you know, looking around that sort of, team you're thinking you know like from yourself you know at the end of the day you're just playing football and like you said you know, if you love the game you love playing it no matter what circumstances environment wherever you're in but it, yeah it must have been so hard to look around and go you know well they're going on to here or they're going on to there where's your pathway and how do you go on well you mentioned as well about a um a women's match which you watched what was the first women's match which you, you actually got the opportunity to see um, I think I was basically a, a World Cup. I think it was in 2003. I think it was in the USA and the, the German team won. So that was basically why it was maybe streamed as well in, in German TV. Because normally the, the even from the national team, the games would not be live in t- on TV. So it, it was so hard to actually find a women's game, even, even if you w- would look for it proactively, you know. So by... Com- by um, I don't know, I, I didn't even look for that. It just, I sat through the TV channels and then it appeared and yeah, basically that was when I saw, okay, that's the level. This is how it looks like. And this is this is the level I, I'm aiming to play at one day. And I saw for the first time, okay, they're really physical. They're really in a good shape and they can actually play a, a ball, you know, because you would just hear, ah, it's so rare that girls would play football and I would just play with the boys all the time. So for me, my reference were, were the boys in my age so it was also hard to know, okay, how good am I compared to females in, in my age group, you know? That, that was basically when I was 13 or 14, that was the first contact I made with female footballers. Wow. And it was, for me, it was not a big deal because I love to play with the boys and I felt like one of them that made it a lot easier for me. But at the same time, when I think back now, I could not really, let's say, train on certain or specific areas where I, where I could maybe hide at the boys because they would do their work for me sometimes and pass me the ball because I was a girl and I was kind of protected sometimes. That doesn't mean I didn't work. But in a certain way, when you're one of 20, you can't hide anything, you know? When you're the only girl, they might be like, okay, maybe she's not that physical, but at least she can the ball, you know? So that's something might have been a big ad- advantage for me to play with the boys, but in certain areas, I would have liked to know a bit earlier what is the level I'm, I'm aiming for. Yeah, 100%. It's a great point because, like you said, I mean, you know, and I'm sure you was a lot better than most of those boys. I don't know where most of them have gone on to, but, you know, it's interesting to think, like you said, you, you've got to kind of, you have got to kind of compare yourself against them in the sense of, you know, they're on their pathway, you're on your pathway. And like you said, you've got to kind of understand, you know, like you said, what, what is the competition? Who are my competitors out there? And it's a bad way of looking at it because I know that obviously at youth football, we don't want to look at other players as competitors, but ultimately it is if in terms of, you know, looking to get opportunities or or looking to try and grow within the pathway of the game. 
What was that first experience like for you going into an all-girls team? Was it quite exciting? Or I, I spoke to some women within the game and, and they've almost said it was quite daunting because they played with boys for so long that they're then going into an all-female environment and it was different almost. Yeah, it, it was different in certain behaviours. So at one point, I felt like until I was 15, I was like a boy with 15 years, at least in terms of football. So yeah. if there was a ball somewhere, it doesn't matter if it was at the, at the beach, in the swimming pool, at the school, if there was a ball, I would play football. And girl, girls are different. Even in a football environment, I realized they a little, little less um, competitive. So okay. even a training game, but that's, I would say, not in my professional life. I didn't experience it then anymore. But yeah. still, like, in lower league teams or in younger age groups, I feel like boys are a little bit more competitive. They want to win every single training game. They want to not make as much as possible. They want look, to look others bad compared to them and girls are different they way more sociable they want to win as a team they don't want to be so much in the spotlight it's just a bit of a different I would say psychologically approach with girls where I would just in my, I remember when I was 16 I went to Bayern Munich that was basically my first club on a professional level with the with 35 year old women I would play at this point and I would just try to nutmeg people you know and at one point I realized I can't do this here and even if I managed to do it. It's not really, no one cares. So it's more like being effective and productive. So I would say it was definitely a different experience. But at one point, I think you have to make this experience also to see like, okay, because that's at the end, it's your environment. You're going to end up playing. But still, I'm really happy until I was 16, I played with the boys. And I think to my competitiveness and my drive and my, yeah, just the will to win and to, yeah, basically be my best version. I think every single training session was hard for me because it was just at one point they were so physical and yeah. they were so much stronger and just, yeah, yeah, just taller and everything. So I always had to adapt my game and give everything to be on their level, which obviously brought me then to where I ended up being, yeah. Yeah, and again, even with that, I think that almost is such an important thing because I know that, again, with sort of like outside of teams and just sort of recreationally, you know, there's usually typically when people are growing up, you'll have like, say, for example, an eight-year-old and obviously, like I said, not in competitive football or structured football, but just more like recreationally. You have like an eight-year-old playing against, say, for example, a 13 or 14-year-old. And actually, like you said, there's so many benefits because, I mean, I've always been quite tall and, 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 and quite big growing up now. You know, for me, really and truthfully, going against little players or smaller players, I was able to use physicality. But that was really my only strength, no pun intended. That, that was the only thing I could really use within my game. Whereas the smaller players, they had to be so much more better at decision making, problem solving. Right, I've got this really big guy. How am I actually going to get around them? And it's interesting the point you made about the, the, the boys. And I'll be honest with you, I really like coaching the girls because of that factor that I reckon that they're so much more better decision makers. Um, I use this analogy of boys, well, technically, if you ask them, say, for example, um, I need a solution. So it's 1v1. How are you going to get around a player? Like you said, every single time a boy will say nutmeg or a skill. That's it. A nutmeg or a skill. It's the only thing they'll look to try and do. Yeah. Whereas I find that girls are so much more better decision makers. And yeah. you know what? They'll come up with multiple solutions. Whereas boys, they think this one solution is going to work for them all the time. It's the quickest way through though, right? So yeah. that's, that's good. But what you say, I think at one point when I played sometimes with the girls in like the youth 
team that got called up together to play in certain counties or something like that. I felt like it's good to play in different environments because I had a completely different role when I was playing with the girls. So basically, I think you always adapt a bit your game wherever you play in. So let's say you're a really physical player. So why not using your body? But if you play against other physical players and it's not enough for you anymore to just use your body in every single tackling or something, then you have to find other strategies to come out of a situation, right? So I learned, for example, I, I wouldn't dribble as much at the boys as I would do with the girls, for example. And that would be something with the boys. I learned to make quick decisions and pass and bring me in a position to basically be one step ahead of them. Just because if I'm too slow here, I don't have a chance to win the um, race or something, you know. So that, that had to change. or I had to adapt my game because of that. Whereas at the girls, I could basically get the ball and still use my body because I was always a really small player. But I like that different environment adapting basically and I think that makes you a more maybe complete player at one point because you can uh, at the end as, as a kid you just, just do what without maybe thinking about it too much so when it always works when you dribble you keep dribbling and if it works you might stop dribbling the, with the ball and I think that's yeah that that's good to experience this yeah 100% like you said I think playing in as many different environments as possible. Even like, say, for example, when like you're in training and doing not only like balanced teams, but unbalanced teams where you're out of, um, you're outnumbered or where you've got an overload going on. Just all these different scenarios and situations, I think, yeah, definitely help to sort of benefit you in, the, like I said, problem solving and decision making, really. How, how did you find it actually though, adapting to going then into that environment at Bayern Munich, where, like you said, obviously, number one, you'd seen, you know, the men play on TV uh, predominantly, but then obviously going into the women's environment. And like you said, some of these players, you know, there's like in their 30s at the time, like they've obviously had years of experience within these sort of settings. How did those settings differ to sort of like the training or the knowledge or just the overall decisions that you had to make compared to your youth team that you played for? I would say my my biggest um, change was basically psychologically, I would say, because it was just like having a complete different atmosphere around you playing football and finding the place again where you feel comfortable in and around people, you know, that yeah. took me a bit, like at least I would say half a year until, until I find it really comfortable to go there, be in the dressing room, go out with the girls, have a little joke and also understand their kind of banter because I was just like, I was 16 and I think the next, younger girl was 21 so I was really far apart from my age you know but I think at one point you just adapt obviously you leave your family and you change school and you leave your friends behind and things like this might affect you as well so that's all together I think that's the the hardest challenge at one point because football wise I didn't feel like I'm far behind even if I was really young but what you say it's like when you come from the boys from a really good level of 16 then you they jump to the, even if it's Bundesliga, back then, obviously, the level was not as, as it is now. So the game developed a lot physically, technically, but also, and that was maybe also my biggest jump was tactically, because okay. all of a sudden you had three or four coaches also like thinking about, don't know, match plans and tactical things. Obviously, I learned something a lot at the youth national team, but still doing it every day and also going. And going to the gym now three, four times a week, that was just like physically you had to grow and 
adapt and that obviously takes a bit but just from the pure or raw football side it wasn't that big jump so I could still play at this level I, I just had to adapt a little bit my game and not not make as, as I did with the boys because people would tell me look you're not doing this here okay we try to score and win a game and we're not trying to be unproductive but good looking kind of you know so I had to change my game a bit but I think that's kind of a yeah process where you just at one point realize okay this is working and I have to stop other things otherwise I'm not gonna play here a minute yeah no of course that's quality because even though as well like you said you, you do have to adapt and I suppose that comes down from sort of like you know how a club wants to like run their club and the way they want to play like philosophies or even down to the individual coaches but I always think that sometimes you know why kill that creativity like if you've been really good and successful and like you said you know you understand I mean not just for the sake of doing a nutmeg but you know you understand the process of well actually I'm doing it because I can knock the ball through the person's legs and I'm quicker than they are and they have to turn around and I'm already facing the same direction and, and, and those sort of things and it goes back to sort of images of like players we've seen when they was younger and they've done the sort of same movements as they are like within the game now. And actually it's, it's they're doing it because they're really successful at it. They understand how to execute it. And I always find that bizarre, not bizarre, but you know, annoying a little bit that coaches sometimes they go, like you said, like, right, we're not doing this here. Well, actually there, there might be times and places where, you know, you can execute it and, you know, it is the right time to do it. But it's interesting, again, you mentioned about all those different things, like, you know, the physical things are going to the gym and the tactical things of, like, you know, ways to play and how to play. And I suppose, does that make it become all that more real for you? What does that mean? And, I'm sorry. Um, so that's what I had to say. Like, does it make it become more real that actually, do you know what, you've gone from sort of like your youth team to now I'm actually a footballer? Yeah, definitely. Like when people would have asked me back then, it would always be like, okay, what is changing now? What is the difference? But it's just like, basically, I was still going to school, yes, but it was, all of a sudden, it was kind of my job. Like, it was the first time you would earn some money with football as well, but it would be like, it would be important if you win that weekend or not. Whereas before, it was also competitive and everything, and you would be sad and stuff. But it was about like, can we go maybe to the, don't know, kind of Champions League, or can we, are we safe in the table and things like that, that not at the extent as well as it is now and as it is maybe in the men's game. But still, you feel like it's important now to um, not just be competitive, but to perform as well, you know, to be good. You have to perform. You have to win these games. So basically, obviously, the, the, the training around it changes a lot and you don't just go to the gym to have fun. You really want to see an outcome and you do it like you don't talk all the time and you have to take it a bit more serious without meaning like we never have fun. Obviously, it's still important. And I think that makes it also at one point more successful if you have a good working team that also smiles and has fun together because there's nothing better than playing football every day or to work to become a better football player. And even if it's gym and kind, I would never call it work, you know. So football is still just my passion and my hobby and I'm fortunate enough to maybe earn money with that and live from that but more importantly I can play it every day and that's even back then I've never felt like you have to do it you always felt like or I always felt like oh I can't wait to go after school to go to the gym and have training after that or something so my whole day and my whole life would always focus on football but it never felt forced it always felt like okay 
finally we can have a game again or finally we can be on the pitch again. Yeah, no, it's quite, and, and like you said, I think it, especially with your journey as well, looking into it, it has kind of happened naturally as well. You know, it hasn't been like forced and it hasn't been, like you said, it's been all down to you and the work that you've put in and also down to your wants to do it as well, rather than as opposed to, you know, people making you do it and things like that. And what I thought has been quite nice as well is that in terms of, obviously, like you said, you know, you, you played for some teams within Germany, um, but then at the same time as well, you was working your way through the uh, youth teams of the of the German team as well. How does that feel in terms of, obviously, it's one thing playing for a, a club, but then another thing in terms of actually going into the international setups of the different age groups and making your way up to the first team. How did that feel? Um, always great. Always great. Yeah, definitely. It was always cool to, don't know, for example, some a lot of times you could skip school a bit and um, go to a camp, right? So, don't know, with the under 15, we already would fly to Canada or to the USA and we would have camps there and meet and play against really good nations. And you would see so much as well from, from different countries, from different cultures, to also see a different kind of football culture and just playing these games. Obviously, it's always cool as well to represent your country and to hear the anthem and all that environment that's crazy, but also just to yeah, experience so much through football, you know, and to also see, okay, this is people are coming from a complete different background in a complete different environment and culture. And at the end, they maybe have exactly the same life like I have in terms of their focus, in terms of they go to school, they go to training every day. They love to play football and at one point you just meet and play against each other. Don't know whether that's Mexico or whatever, Canada or something. And this is, I find that from really early on, really exciting always to, yeah, just compete to complete different, yeah, footballers from different countries and also speak it to them. And yeah, always felt special, whether that was an under 15 um, youth team or it was, a, it was the first team or the senior team. It always felt felt really special and always obviously you always would look forward to meet with the girls again and the just to be in this environment and yeah hearing the anthem and all that stuff around makes you also a bit proud I would say. Especially as well where you mentioned like you said you saw the women's game of, of Germany playing on TV and then obviously now you're in that situation and also going back to even the the part where you were saying about you know going from a boys team and thinking you know what what level am I at how do I compare myself to other girls you know in my age group but not only that now but you're you're comparing yourself to other girls worldwide as well not only in your league but across you know the whole nation and and obviously as you've gone through that youth league or, or through the different age groups of the international um, side of things what was the championships like I think it was at under 19s was it yeah yeah how how did that feel and what was that like going through and using that as a bit of you know again a, another recognition of how good you actually are yeah no that was really cool because obviously winning something and winning a title is always gives you something back right and then obviously it gives you confidence as well for other things that are waiting for you so you feel like okay um we're basically one of the best teams and we can compete with almost everyone so it's just don't know boost you through the next development stage i would say and and obviously with football there comes a lot of stuff from the mental side as well if you that kind of player or even or maybe not because you just have to also believe in yourself right and so much as even the littlest things on the pitch 
has a lot to do with your head. And until you realize that, maybe that takes a bit of time, but the more confident you are, it was always, I don't know, I was always a, a player. I, I thought of and still think a lot when I'm on the pitch, right? If there are a couple of actions that don't go well, like you, you start questioning little things and you have to bring yourself back in this game and then into this healthy mindset to actually perform at your level, right? And you have to find different strategies how to do this. So obviously confidence is such a big factor if you feel like, hey, I want to have the ball, give me the ball. And sometimes you're in this kind of flow where you just work and you don't even know why and it's just happening and everything is working good and it's all, always successful, whatever you're doing, right? And you always know what to do. And sometimes you feel like, today the ball might not be your best friend, but you still have to find a way to go through this game and to manage to not completely embarrass yourself and let the team down and you don't also want to get subbed. So you have to find a way to bring yourself to this game again and to your performance level. So I would say, obviously, these little things where you would win titles or just also win games, I think that was always important to feel like, okay, I'm in a really good team and I'm also playing. And that means like, don't know, you, you have to have a certain confidence as well um, because you, don't know, manage to get your place there. And that means something. And knowing this also brings, I think, quality back on the pitch. Yeah, no, 100%. And that, like you said, that psychological thing is such a big factor because let's be honest, if we strip everything away, it's just another game of football. You know, something yeah. that you was doing from when you may have been five years old to, you know, where you are at that moment in time. But the psychological part comes when obviously it's, you know, in front of fans, it's in a final, it's when you're around your teammates who, like you said, you know, is the ball going to be your friend today? Are, are things going to connect on the pitch? Or like I said, is it even raining? You know, how's that touch going to be when the ball's coming in towards you? So it's true that psychological thing is such a big factor. But at the same time as well, I do think that it massively, like, like I said, if you can kind of find your way around that sort of psychological barrier almost, that it can almost set you up for more successes in the future. And obviously I know as well that, like you said, you've, you know, you've won cup competitions, you've won league title as well. And, and do you think that that kind of the under 19 championship kind of almost pushed you in the right direction of knowing and how in, how to sort of deal and cope with those situations? Um, yeah, I would say definitely every, every single part is like a piece of the puzzle, you know, like when you say it's just another football game yes it's just another like tournament or it's just another not when I sound arrogant or something but it's just a title and the next day basically you're still maybe a bit tired from the party or something but after that you have to work again like no one will say I oh, yeah, three months ago you won something or you just and that's a cool thing with football sometimes it's a disadvantage sometimes it's an advantage but it's always moving on you can never lay down and say look I'm gonna, I want this and this, I'm on this level now and it's just flowing now. You always have to work so hard, I would say, and keep improving and keep finding always the best version because even yesterday was maybe 100% looked like this and today the 100% might look a bit different just because you're not able to bring everything on the pitch that was there yesterday. But it's still important to keep going, right? And there's something that's the cool part of it and the exciting one as well. But I always thought of, every single game when I lost a bit the track, right? I always thought, okay, why am I doing this? It, it's just because I love it so much. And just finding the pleasure or the joy, actually like playing these 90 minutes where you work like 
every single day in the week to do it. And then feeling stressed and having fear and being scared and feeling, I don't know, yeah, just stress from maybe people outside and you also feel the pressure and then you want to show everyone, don't know how good you are or at what level you are. And then all of a sudden friends or parents or whoever is watching or it's a TV game, live streamed by whoever, then you feel like, calm down, honestly, just breathe and try to enjoy it. And that's all you can do. You can't do more, right? But if I always felt like I regretted if I felt stressed and couldn't perform because of that, you know. And at one point I felt like, hey, such a privilege. Just try to enjoy it. And then you might be the best version of yourself because you're doing the right things for the right reason and not because you feel, oh, he's looking or they are watching me. So I have to do this and this. And yeah, I think that's that's always the best way to manage you back in the game. Yeah, 100%. And, and it's true. Like, it's so funny because it's easier said than done. But really and truthfully, if you win a game, you'll forget about it instantly and you'll think about the next game. But if you lose a game, like you said, you're thinking about that for days, which is funny because ultimately the people around you, like you said, friends, family, they've forgotten about it. But it still yeah. dwells on our mind because we're thinking, yeah, but we lost the last one. Yeah, but what about when we won the last one? We didn't think about it for this length of time. It's crazy how it sort of does sit on your mind. And I, I agree with what you're saying there about the sort of thing of, you know, you just have to enjoy it and you just have to think, you know what, that's one game and it's happened and, you know, you have to just go with it sort of thing. And I think even with like, there's a big stigma in, in the game of football where, you know, say for example, if teams constantly keep on winning all the time, you know, really and truthfully, they probably need to experience that loss or they need to experience some sort of failure because until that's experienced, you don't know how to react and you don't know how to sort of manage it and get over it and go, well, do you know what? It's actually no different to me winning a game. I'm going on to the next game and, and that needs to be the, the next priority. So it's crazy how we dwell on the losses, but don't almost focus on the wins. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. But I think, I don't know, with football, you, that, that's a good thing as well, basically, that every team can lose at one point, right? So it's true, though, that you have, at one point, you have this momentum sometimes. You don't know why you won this game or sometimes you don't know why how you could lose a certain game, right? And there are little things and it might be sometimes really, I don't know, frustrating also for coaches because you felt like I've done everything, the team played well and for a certain reason, we couldn't manage to win the game and it might happen and happen again and at one point you doubt and that's the thing with football, right? Sometimes it's more than just making a good game or bring quality on, on the pitch. It's also like um, having a bit this momentum on your side and having a bit of luck and yeah. just doing the right thing at the, one, at the right point sometimes. And I think this, this is sometimes really frustrating, but sometimes also when it's in your advantage the good side of football. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, nice quality. It's, it's interesting, like I said, it's true. Whenever luck goes against us, we're absolutely livid. But as soon as it goes for us, well, you know, it's just a game of football. That's that's what happens. Um, so nice quality. Um, so talk me through that sort of transition from going, you know, like you said, you know, really successful in terms of winning um, cup competitions and obviously a league um, and then coming over to England because obviously when you came over as well, there was a big transition for the women's game going into, you know, the Women's Super League and the WSL2 and, and it was that, a big sort of momentum behind it. How did you feel coming across at that point? And did you know just how much the game in England was going to actually take off? 
no, I, I couldn't imagine, for example, let's just say it's just been almost three years now where we came from when it basically started to, to become a professional league to yeah. where it is now. Obviously, it's a huge step from just the media attraction, from the also the clubs, the way they, and that's not just the top four. Yeah. It's basically every single club in this league is working on a high professional level. And even if I came from Germany and played for really good clubs in Germany as well, who would win the Champions League and at least make it always like to the Champions League qualification and so on, and winning league titles and cup cup titles, it was just the daily work and also the the, the league itself was so different, organized. And for the first time in my life, I worked like with a full professional stuff around me, having a doctor at the club, having two or three full-time professional physios at the club. Obviously, every, every club has a coach, but how many assistant coach can you afford, right? And how do you have an analyst? And do you have a goalkeeper coach? Do you have a psychologist? And so on, SNC coaches. Like, where can I do my rehab in, in case I'm injured? Do we have a gym? Do we have pro- normal pitches, like pitches you could really play football on? That's something I said that was crazy and I, I love that so much and I enjoyed that maybe so much in England more than anywhere else now I'm playing in Italy and I think here I really feel like okay I, I don't know how much I appreciated the pitches the last two years in England because obviously we play so many times on astroturfs or on bad pitches and I think there's just something that the league is like way ahead in terms of other pro- professional women leagues and there's something that obviously attracts players, foreign players, to come in the league and want to be part of, of that momentum of movement because I think the league just gets better and better. And you see now Chelsea, the way they perform, right? Arsenal, since he is doing a great job, but there are other teams coming as well. Manchester City, Manchester United, they just came up two years ago and now they're basically playing up front, you know? So it's just crazy how quick people are in the game now and how how much they take it really serious, you know. So I think that's a lot of stuff happening in England. So it was a great place for me as a player to experience that. And I think it's not at at its uh, maximum, you know. There's still a lot to come and a lot more will happen in this in this league. And I think it for other leagues, it's just good to see where's the standard now. Where can women football actually thrive to? And I think it's just us for the German league is kind of the role model at the moment and you want to keep that standard and if they already gone you have to invest a bit more and put more effort in this to become or to come to that level again and can compete obviously with the with the English league yeah no 100% and it's interesting because you know typically I remember you know many many years ago you know the American leagues were the ones which you know a lot of English players typically would go over to because they'd get more opportunities but I totally agree with what you're saying. And in a way, it's, it's great that these clubs or leagues will now look at, say, for example, England and go, you know, this is where we want to try and get to. But overall, I just think what an incredible platform it is now given. And also, like you mentioned as well, about so many teams now doing well. And it's true. I, literally, I could look over my shoulder and there's hundreds of different teams coming towards those top two divisions. And I think it shows just how talented the women's game is. You know, and how much uh, just by giving them a platform. I mean, like, for example, obviously, um, I think it was two weeks ago now, um, there was a big sort of um, TV package where it was about um, Sky and BBC will now obviously present these games. 
number one, what an incredible opportunity for young girls to now be able to see so many more yeah. games. I mean, I know obviously we have the FA um, player and that, again, gave a lot of access. And even as well, when you're at West Ham, the documentary, I thought yeah. that was incredible. Just seeing yeah. the insight and, you know, seeing, like you said, how you do your day-to-day roles and jobs, really. Definitely. I think it's one, one thing to stream a game for 90 minutes, but yeah. the good thing with this TV deal is that they now you have like a full package in terms of interviews before and after the game. You can have a little bit of space as well for telling stories behind players and also to bring players to people, you know, to know, okay, who are these people playing there? What are their personalities? What are they doing maybe apart from football? And how does a professional female football life look like? And this is why, yeah, the BBC documentary about West Ham, for example, is so interesting. I, th- I think for, for people from outside to just see, okay, this, look, this is a football environment for female players and this is how it looks like. And I also think of always these young girls. And when I think back, I had no idea, I had no clue how it could look like if I might be good enough to make it to that level. So this is something I love when a young girl says, I don't know, I want to play like Lucy Bronze one day because yeah. that just shows... Like they have dreams, you know, and they can dream of something because don't know last year, two years ago, Germany played against England in the, the Lionesses in the in the Wembley Stadium. And I was there as a just a fan <laughs> and I watched the game live in the stadium and I felt like, wow, this for every single young girl that's now in the stadium and wanna become a footballer, that's maybe the best thing that can happen because they just want to be at one day they wanna be on this pitch and they might Little things like this might affect them so much to stick to their goals and not get dropped out just because it gets a bit rough, you know? Yeah. You just basically stay in, in the game and you stay committed and you just drive towards your goal because at one point maybe you can make it to that level. And I think this is great for just the motivation for, for young girls to see this is basically happening right now in front of your eyes. And if you, yeah, at one point talented enough, but also if you committed enough you can do this you know and you can achieve things like this 100 percent, and, and even it's all like you mentioned about like you know for example the game at Wembley where it is Lionesses versus the German team and even as well when West Ham got to the FA Cup final you know yeah. again the big tradition of you know in the men's side of the game getting to the final and being able to play at Wembley but seeing as well in the women's game just how many fans there were there and and I always talk to young boys and I say look these are your role models as well. I mean, it's great that we have them for the girls in terms of, you know, they can look up and now say, this is, I have somebody, like you said, at the beginning of this conversation, somebody who you can idolise and go, do you know, I want to be like you. But the boys should be looking at the, the female and women game as well and going, yeah, I want to be like you. And yeah. I think that having this much more exposure now to the game should hopefully allow that to happen. It's funny though, because when I was on my way to Wembley at this at this game, we had a young boy next to us and he was wearing, I think it was a Lucy Bronze shirt. And we would ask him, why do you like her so much? And things like this. And he would know every single player of this squad, you know, of the Lionesses. And we felt like, hey, this is really cool that this is happening right now. That a young boy, like 10, 11 year old, old, he's just really enjoying to watch a women's player, you know. So that's something I, I can't, couldn't believe that this is happening like maybe 20 years a goal. So that's something I would always say, the more you see it, the more natural and normal it becomes, right? So if women's football 
maybe it's not as much as it's seen like men's football, but still when you see everywhere like little posters or pictures or just TV um, games or things like this, you just think like, okay, it's a complete normal thing now for girls and women to play football. And the more you see, the more natural and normal it becomes. So this is why it's so important that it's also seen and it's not just happening behind closed doors and no one does even know that, that it exists, you know. A hundred percent. It's interesting, actually. Do you know what? Funny enough, coincidence or what? Yesterday, I was actually um, round by the uh, West Ham Stadium um, and I was on, a, on one of those Boris bikes. And as I was going around it, you know, there's pictures, yeah, of, of the men and the women's teams. And that is what is needed because, you know, they're both West Ham clubs. And, you know, regardless of whether or not, you know, the women play some games there or, or a few games there, they're, they're, they're who is representing the teams. And like you said, the more that we see these images, and I remember as well, I think it was about a couple of years ago when it was the World Cup and um, that Nike done a massive campaign of all the, all the different women wearing the, the, the kits, the international kits. And it's things like that, making those sort of things the norm. And I know, again, um, funny enough, I think it was last week, um, Orlando Pride done something very similar, where Orlando Pride brought out a new kit, but then the men wore, wore the kit as well. And it's things like that. If, if we can make these things become more of the norm, like you said, I mean, you know, you're classifying, classifying people as footballers, regardless of men or women. They're just footballers who we aspire to be like and want to be like almost. And I think, yeah, as you say, there's a responsibility from the clubs as well. And it's not hard because the infrastructure is there anyway. So you can make the decision if you want to have 20, don't know, pictures of the men. Or if you say, okay, we put maybe 15 from the men and five from the women at least. Or little things like this when you had like little campaigns in the club already. Just put two of the um, from the male squad and two from the female squad into this event. And, and from outside, it looks like, okay, they are both representing the same club and fans might not make a big difference because they just want to know, they want to have an insight, they want to know interact with these players, whether that's male or female. They might just only know the male side of it, so they might be a bit like, okay, who are they, they now? Because we never see them. But as, as you make them a bit more visible as well for people outside, obviously you create something and I think it's, it's really important and yeah you can always say yeah women the women's game is not as don't know as quick as fast as a man yeah but that's fine like there are a lot of other sports that are really successful and it's also not the same physical conditions you know and people really support it so why not doing the same with women's football and supporting these players because they give everything to perform and I think that's really valuable and people if they know us better and it's the same with men you sometimes just support one player and not necessarily a whole club right and if you don't give access to these players and these personalities and don't tell stories you never know who are they so i think it's just yeah get, getting a message out and tell us some stories and people might really fall in love also with the uh, women's game i would say yeah no 100 percent. and uh, do you know what i couldn't agree any more with you about that point of getting to know players on, a, on an individual level like you know we see everybody as a footballer you know what are they like like you said in terms of you know you know like I said some of the, the banter I mean I've watched you know some of the videos which you've been in and interviews you've been in before and you know you, you can really see your personality now unless anybody goes to look at them or has access to them how how are they going to know what you're like and you know even again through your Instagram page you know 
you have, well, number one, you have a master's within sports and, you know, you are a coach and also you have your own uh, coaching setup. You know, knowing the sort of inspirational work that you do, it's not shared enough. It's not being vocalized enough when actually you're making such an impact on so many people's lives, boys or girls, but it's not being shared enough. And people are having to almost go in and look for that information without, in, if it was in the men's game, let's be honest, you know, you would see it all over a back page or, or something like that. But um, but yeah, talk me through sort of some of the stuff that you are doing. Because like I said, you seem to be doing everything. You've got so much knowledge as well. So yeah, basically, I think, and that's my biggest passion next to playing football is like, it's my kind of football academy I created two years ago. And it's kind of for the girls without discriminating boys. They can always join as well. And it happens. Like when I do girls, not, I never want to call them girls only camps. I just call them girls camps. But if a boy comes, of course, like for example, I had so many camps where there were 30, 40, 50 girls and there would be still three or four boys attending. And I loved it so much because all of a sudden, when I was when I was at that age, it would be always like, "Come on, boys and Julia," like, and now it's like, "Come on, girls, Aya and you too as well." Like, it would turn around because I was just so used at one point to be like, "Come on, boys," to hear that day in and day out, Aya and Julia. Some of the coaches would make an effort and call my name then after. But basically, this is what I really like to see that the the focus is on the girls and they feel that you know. So let's say I was used to be at camps like with fifty boys and me. But I'd, I always felt like the beginning until the ice broke, it was always a little bit of a weird situation, uncomfortable, especially in this young age. So I just wanted to create an environment where girls feel completely comfortable, but where they all also get a bit of the spotlight is on you. It's important that you are here and you play football and you're not just don't know, next to the focus, basically, where it's on the boys and you can attend as well. So that was it's my main goal to give that message to the girls that they are important and they count. And all I want is giving everything I experience to them to enable them to maybe go and become the best version of themselves, whatever this means, right? If that's a professional level, but maybe they just have a really healthy and sporty life. And they also may, might want to do another sport at one point, which is absolutely fair. I just want to commit them to do sports and be act active, you know? And I think football is a, for so many aspects, it's such a great sport, you know, because it's such a big social side in football as well. And especially the girls, they love that so much. So with this football academy, this is something I want to put all my focus after playing football. And also I felt like at the beginning, I didn't know, am I a good coach? Am I good enough to stand in front of other young players? And do they even listen to me? And I think that's something where you put yourself in a, a bit away from your comfort zone right and in an uncomfortable situation maybe and find out is this something I want to do and feel passionate about and from the day first day on I felt like yeah, definitely this I could keep talking about football and I, I could correct just when I see it I want to correct them I want to help them and I want to just share at least what my my football like gave me and my experience taught me so yeah that's definitely something for the girls to also give them opportunities to play football and obviously yeah me being the coach feels feels the right place for me to do that and yeah obviously you know what I'm speaking about as a coach as well but it's just so satisfying if you feel like after a training session they actually learn something and 
I, I made this happen, kind of. Yeah, no, it's, it, honestly, it's class to see. And, and I think, like, you know, it goes back to a few early points. So the inspirational factor of, you know, again, having that person to look up to. Like I said, some of these girls may become players. Some of them may become coaches. Um, and I always talk about with coaching, you know, it's not deliberately happening or you don't set out to do this. But ultimately, if you can give players the right knowledge, education, tools, um, and, you know, some of those psychological decisions to make along their journey, ultimately, you're almost creating the next crop of coaches because, you know, the players are the ones who experience it. And like you said, you're now able to give your experiences and use your experience as a player, but now also your knowledge, understanding, and even like you said, through your through your masters as well, additional knowledge to now put that into an environment. And, and you, again, you, you spoke about the beginning of like, you know, to be a footballer, you have to have that motivation, that internal motivation. And you've got it again with the coaching, which is great to see as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Obviously, yeah, when, I, when I studied and I studied sports science, I always felt like, because there's so many different topics, you, you yes. so many different areas, and not everything is for you. And that's kind of the way I think you 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 naturally make when you go through your studies, and then there comes the master. And I was, for example, always passionate. Also, due to my history of injuries, I had two ACL injuries. I ruptured my syndesmosis ligamentum with my and my foot. So there were different. Don't know. I had four or five surgeries, and maybe some of them could have been prevented, but just me knowing more um, or people around me knowing more about the the prevention side right and for me a lot comes down with um don't know motor skills the way you move the, the way you land the way of how your muscle fun function in a right way in a balanced way and all these little things i think they sometimes not um there's not enough focus on them during a training week because coaches sometimes just see the football side and the tactical side but in and around this, you have so much time, especially now in this professional leagues, but also to prepare these young players to go there and not be injured all the time, you know. And that's something, this is why I made this master in this area in kind of injury prevention and wrote my master thesis about ACL injuries in women's football, which is way too much happening, right? Everyone knows that. It's like a disease. It feels like there's a women's football disease. And... <laughs> This is something I'm so passionate. Even when I train young girls, I feel like you can already yeah, prepare the base for them to have a healthier football life and to spend more hours basically on the pitch and not so many on the don't know, physio bench just because they can move better, they can react better, they're just more balanced, they can jump with the left, they can jump with the right foot and also land and turn and all these little things. I think so many coaches don't do it, especially in youth football, because they just don't have an experience with that they don't know how to do it so they just leave it completely and this is something where I always think just better do something than than leaving it completely to the side because it's so important for their future life and for me that's if the girls already don't get an awareness of how important their body is for them that's already for me a bit like not the job is done but at least you implement it a bit in their heads and yeah basically I can talk and talk about this because I'm so passionate no, it, it's, I lose so much time being injured and not able to yeah to play yeah, no, 100%. And it's, it's, it's great to see because I, I totally agree with you. I think so often, and, and I'll hold my hands up, I think coaches, 
They neglect all those other four corners. So they focus on the technical all the time. Technical, 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 technical. A little bit of tactical as well, based on who they're playing against or what, what their environment is. But it's true. They totally forget about the social. They totally forget about the psychological. We often just give that decision-making to the players to make. Um, and they totally forget about the physical. A lot of coaches seem to think that physical is just a lot of cardio-based stuff. But as you've mentioned, you know, it's prevention is just as much as sort of, you know, um, progression almost. Um, and, you know, how you expand on these things. And I think it's great to see. Well, if you could have, would you have done that earlier to sort of help you through your career in terms of, like I said, being able to deal with them? Yeah, 100%. It's just because when I was 16, I've, like I basically made a jump from youth level to professional football, right? And all of a sudden I would train so many times in the gym and I would do some. So this is such a crucial time and so, such an important time for, for people to realize, okay, you're not at the level yet. You, you're not prepared to maybe train like girls or women would train already for 10 years. So you have to find this transition a bit. And I would say between 16 and 20, I could have done a lot better than I did just because there would be no one really focusing on the individuals. You would just get handed out the training plan or the training program for the gym and everyone would kind of do the same. And, but that's the thing, right? You have 24 players. How do you manage this in a, in a team? It's hard and I understand this. But if you want to have a healthy team, you have to do that individual part as well. You have to see everyone as an individual player and it might not be helpful for a 16-year-old girl to do the same kind of squad work like a 35-year-old woman who's in the game for maybe 15 years and she's just in a different completely different physical shape so that transition and this is something where basically it's the highest amount of injuries between 16 and 21 I think in the female game and that's just for that reason in my opinion because the level changes so much the game gets so much quicker you all of a sudden start doing strength you all of a sudden train completely different and your body is not ready for that and not prepared, even if you did some st stabilization work, maybe with 15 or 16, but to a different extent. And that's something where I see myself a bit working in an, an environment where I just feel like you have to make coaches aware of that. Otherwise, you can never prevent all these injuries. Yeah, and that's kind of something I'm really passionate. And I do believe you can prevent not every single injury. Obviously, sometimes it's a lot comes sometimes as well with bad luck and sometimes you don't have the answer and obviously sometimes just a contact injury but non-contact injuries with just turning around or sometimes just land that could in my opinion be done something in in advance yeah no i 100 agree with you i think you know there's there's times where as coaches we don't pick up on techniques in terms of you know how players might turn or or like you said ways of jumping they're almost more concerned with, you know, just the stuff that the player is doing with the ball, or like I said, that tactically, that off the stuff, um, ball stuff. So, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think it's such an important key point. And the problem is, you know what? I don't think coaches are educated enough. Um, I think, you know, they kind of get given all these badges and these coaching qualifications and they kind of see themselves as, oh, I'm up here now that I've got all these qualifications. But like you said, they totally forget about that individual factor and, you know, like, for example, yourself, you know, going through the, all those sort of injuries, what you then need is either a mentor or a coach who can 
treat you and deal with you in a way of, okay, how do I psychologically even, rather than even just a prevention of the physical stuff, if it's happened a few times, how do I psychologically help you become yeah. back to the player which she was prior to the injury? Yeah, and I would say, what do you say? Just involve also the, the, the players a bit more. Even if they 16, 17, you always feel like I lose my authority or something if I ask questions as a coach. But that's not true, in my opinion. If you let, give the players a voice because they just know their body the best. Obviously, you have maybe some players you have to push a bit more. Some you have to maybe slow down a bit more. But most of them know their body better than you might know their body. And if there's someone that says, hey, look, I'm, I'm done. Like my legs said that I don't feel well. Why would you force this player to train? When you think of the bigger picture or their longer run, you might lose this player for a lot longer as when you just give these players a little break maybe into certain periods. Yeah. And for me, it comes a lot with, that's for me, individual management as well. Ask players and ask them how they feel. And maybe not every day, but from time to time and involve them a little bit in the process because you can't, you can't just look through the body and you can't see the muscle if it's tight or not. The only person who can sense it is the player, but you have to really um, give them a chance to talk to you and also to take it seriously, you know, but when you just, how can 24 people train exactly the same day in and day out and feel the same on a Sunday? It doesn't work like this, but this is something where you have to, maybe put in a little bit of extra time, but players I think would appreciate, I would always appreciate if someone really asked me and not just, I would lay there and they, the coach would just speak to the physio. Well, I, I'm like, yeah, maybe he treated my muscle, but he has no idea how it feels. So maybe just ask me and yeah, it put, involve me in the whole process a bit more. It gives the players also a bit of responsibility for their body and to feel like, okay, they made the decision. So they also have to work for that now. And they know they have a certain, yeah, responsibility to be fit at one point again I would just yeah give the players a little bit more more voice and more yeah decision making power basically yeah no 100 and also as well, in getting to know your players it creates a positive environment because it creates an environment where like you said it's not all just one direction the conversation and the input and the actions but actually it's going you know in a in a positive way backwards and forwards and, and like you said ultimately the thing is as well is it's funny because i often tend to think that you know um for an early stage of a coach's journey they go through this motion of coaching 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 they they start to take charge of a team potentially within a in a sort of more elite standard and they become a manager now when they become a manager typically they forget about the coaching so they don't redevelop players as much they just you know tell them how they want them to play. But hold on, managing is, you know, controlling an environment, looking after the environment and bringing out the best within, you know, the people you have around you. So why is it that then when they become managers, they don't do that? Because like you said, you know, they, they won't put that care and go, you know, well, how are you feeling? It's more, you know, oh, come on, you can do it. You can put a bit more effort in than that. And, you know, we've got a really important game coming up this weekend. We really need you. And they might, but you know, have they considered the people within that environment? Yeah, and I feel like a lot of times it's like you would rather let your kind of your best players play like at 80% than yeah. bring someone 100% fresh and trust these players as well. And in my opinion, I always felt like, why would you force this player who's maybe not in a great physical shape, but then also not mentally feels like, oh, now the coach wants me, I can't really say no. And 
you have to play, but you're not really willing to play. And that does something to the point where this player might not be helpful for you at all or beneficial. So rather let someone play who wants to play, who's physically fit, who has a good mindset because they just motivated to show or prove you wrong. And don't know, I don't, I sometimes don't get that focus on certain players and their importance because it delivers a complete wrong message to the whole team. And if you rely on two or three players, that's never healthy for the, for the environment. So rather let someone play who trained the whole, don't know, whatever time period you had before or in advance. And these players might be more useful at the end for you than like a half injured player who is maybe at his top better than the others. But if he's not at his top, he's not better than the other. So maybe just give the others also the signal, hey, we also need you. Yeah, exactly. And also as well, if you've got that player who's mentally at 80% because potentially they've got an injury and they're not feeling as confident going into it, and you turn around and say to the player who's mentally at 100% that, no, we're going with the player who's mentally at 80, well, all of a sudden, that player who's been at 100 now drops down to 80 as well. And then you've got... Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how it how it works, but it's, 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 I suppose it's all those different well, it's, and factors. It's hard. It's hard, I agree. I, I've never coached a whole team, right? I, I'm basically, my passion is like making individuals better. But I, with doing this, I realized, okay, it's really hard to coach a whole group and just to have also this transition and this, yeah, kind of change of perspective, how much work it does require to do in advance, but also after that, like preparing sessions, but also debrief sessions sessions and what will yeah, your outcomes and like this as a player you just go you turn up you change maybe and then you jump on the pitch and that's it you just enjoy it you kind of switch off your brain sometimes and you just be trained from outside whereas the coaching side I think you just realize that when you actually coach how hard it sometimes is to manage a whole team and being okay doing things that are okay for everyone because you, you can never do that and I think the moment you accept that that gives you a lot more peace in your mind and in your kind of yeah, mindset just because you know there won't be 24 smiling faces every day whether that's the training session or a decision you make or a drill you choose they're never everyone's never happy yeah Yeah, no, 100%. And also as well, what's funny about that is that even, and I've noticed this in, through coaching as well, that even the ones you don't think you're impacting, like, in, in, like you know, intentionally, they're, they're being impacted. And, you know, it may be the smallest of things, but, you know, whether it's like something you've helped them with technically or whether it's something psychologically or even if it's just socially or mentally, that there's little things that even when you don't think you're intentionally helping a player, that actually you have had quite a big impact. So... Yeah, it's such an interesting sort of way of looking at things. But, you know, listen, Julia, you've had an unbelievable career, I think. I think in terms of, you know, your transition from Europe to then obviously over to England and obviously now into Italy. And then also as well, just through hearing how you speak and the knowledge in which you have, like, I think it is so inspirational. And like I said, not only for girls, but for boys as well. Um, and I think it's going to be so interesting to see you when you do go into more of that coaching element of things and how many more people you inspire. But if you could leave one legacy or one impact on the game, what would that be for you? Um, 
I don't know, I always um, think like, oh, I'm always happy if I hear voices from um, former teammates when they were like, my, my nickname is Sitchi, when they say, Sitchi, we really miss you here because you always brought a smile to the dressing room or something. Obviously, that's not the football side of it, but I was a couple of months as well at West Ham. I was injured. And at one point I felt like, okay, what can I actually give to the team if I can't be on the pitch with them? And I felt like, okay, I have a different responsibility then for the girls as well, because I felt like, I don't know, I had such a great bond with everyone in this club and everyone would be so helpful with my injuries and so motivating and supportive that I felt like, okay, at least I have to be my best to give something. And then this is why I still feel like, okay, that was something I'm not saying I, I'm, I was proud of, but kind of felt like, okay, the girls appreciated having me still around, even if I wasn't helpful really on the pitch, but just having that kind of good environment in a sometimes stressful situation, I think that also brings something um, to the team and to the environment and that players feel comfortable because I, I always think like the more comfortable you are and we had 14 different nations at West Ham, yeah. the better you can perform. And everyone had that feeling of I'm away from my family and I don't have this social environment here. So at least you have to feel like this is my family and this is my, my comfort zone. And I want to go to this environment and be there. And we always, we went there earlier than the training would start and way earlier and always stayed there longer than when we actually could go home. And that showed a lot to, I don't know, our team spirit. And I think that's also something, obviously you want to be a great player and you want to score goals and you want to make an impact to a game. But then that was my experience from, from England. Basically, it's so important to have a working social environment going on in the dressing room as well and I think that was for me it was the best team I've ever played in in terms of that relationships between each other and the way we would like to behave towards each other and help each other and support each other so that was something I would definitely take as a coach and try to implement in my team with good characters that they just want to work together and yeah kind of win and compete together yeah, no, I, I love that because, yeah, technically when you typically think that, you think, you know, like I said, personally, I think you've had a massive impact already and will continue to on, like I said, so many young girls and boys within the game. But like you just mentioned there, it's an interesting way of putting it as well, the impact that you have on your teammates. And, you know, like you said, being in those sort of situations where, you know, if you are injured, I can imagine, I, I, well, I say I can imagine, I don't want to imagine, but like the sort of thoughts you'd be thinking of, you know, like, you know, they're on the pitch, but, you know, like you said, what is, what is now my responsibility and role? And to know that you've had still such a big impact on that group of players, I think not only boils down to sort of, you know, the evidential thing of you've had an impact on that group, but also down to your character and you as an individual. And I think that taking all football things away from that, like I said, the impact you're having now within sort of your coaching um, and also the impact as you as a person in that group just must make you feel like, you know, not you completed it, but, you know, wow sort of thing, because football side, football things aside, it's just you. And that's always, that's always, it's always been from a young child up to now. And it's just you almost putting your blueprint and your footprints on the game. Definitely. No, definitely. Like if I could have wished something out, definitely wanted to play more, but if you can't do it for whatever reason, I think that's something, and that's away from football, apart from football, things you 
the way you challenge things in your life. Yeah. It's like you can do it this way and you can be frustrated and you can, don't know, t- take everyone around you down just to make you feel better, but it doesn't make you feel better. Or you can just try to lift others, even if you're not in the best shape, right? And it automatically lifts yourself as well and you directly feel better by doing that and can maybe challenge or yeah just go through your challenge easier by just trying to make it if you can't change things doesn't matter to put too much frustration and bad energy into this just try to affect things you can really don't know influence right and that's just my lesson i've learned there and i felt like it made an impact and it left a bit of a legacy so this is something even if it wasn't great from my from a football perspective at one point i just felt like I was still useful in, in a certain way. Make sure that you follow and subscribe to the Daily Coaching Podcast so that you never miss out on an episode.